what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely, pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stain, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mistress Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to you have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for a bonus episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast. Before we get to our guest, Dave the Snake Sabo from Skid Row, I want to put a plug in for the Mistress Carrie Backstage Pass on Patreon. The Mistress Carrie Backstage Pass gives you access to a lot of the behind-the-scenes workings of the Mistress Carrie podcast, Cocktails in the War Room, MistressCarrie.com, the radio shows, and so much more. You get everything from travel blogs and behind-the-scenes photos... You can submit podcast interview questions, get discounted merchandise in the online Mistress Carrie store. We do exclusive monthly live streams. You get inside information on upcoming concerts, access to a ton of free concert tickets, and you get advanced access to upcoming Mistress Carrie events. And that's just the start. If you want to get a Mistress Carrie backstage pass, you can get one by going to patreon.com slash mistresscarrie. You can click the Patreon button at mistresscarrie.com, or you can just click the link in the show notes of this podcast. Now, every once in a while on the Mistress Carrie podcast, I get an unexpected interview. And that's exactly what happened with Dave the Snake Sabo from Skid Row. And that's how you get a bonus episode. Skid Row right now are in Vegas opening up for the Scorpions during their Sin City Nights Vegas residency. And Skid Row have been in the news a lot lately. They released a new song called The Gang's All Here. They announced the addition of their new lead singer, Eric. There's a ton of new details on their upcoming new album. And there's even a tour with Winger and Warrant hitting the road. So I thought it'd be the perfect time to wake up Dave in Vegas and find out exactly what's going on with everything with the band. So Dave and I sat down and had coffee together and I got all of the answers. So enjoy your bonus episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast and allow me to introduce you to Dave the Snake Sabo from Skid Row. Dave! Thanks for coming on the show. How could I miss it? I mean, I need to be woken up and who better to wake me up than you? Are you in Vegas right now? I am. I'm in Vegas. We're doing a residency with the Scorpions. We started about a week and a half ago on the 26th of uh, March. We've done like five or six shows so far. Uh, We released a new single. Uh, We have a new singer. New album coming in October. There's nothing going on with Skid Row at nothing, all. Nothing. Nothing. And 
we're, we're pretty much booked uh, tour wise throughout the rest of the year and into next year. So we're staying busy and we're finishing up our record uh, pretty much today with uh, the last bit of vocals that need to be done. And then uh, it, it goes, the rest of the record goes to mixing and mastering and onward and upward. It's exciting times for us right now. Is it weird being on tour without traveling? Those residencies in Vegas seem like they're cool, but weird. It is a little weird. Uh, like it's, I have the same view every day and um, it, it, it is strange. Uh, you know, Las Vegas is, is, it can be daunting. There's so much going on. You have so many shows and then like an area of like one square mile, there's like 40 things to do at <laughs> any given time. So it's a bit daunting and you want to, you know, I want to maintain some sort of healthy lifestyle, at least a little bit, because it's easy to be out every night till four in the morning. It's really, really easy. And so, uh, you know, the most important thing is our health and, and the show and being able to make sure that we go out and perform to the best of our ability. And, and that's awfully tough to do if you're suffering from a really intense hangover. You know, I mean, it's easier to do like when the band first started, but sure. Anybody that knows anything about partying as you get older, as he chugs Pedialyte right now, <laughs> yep. is uh, is That's that right. you learn you learn you got to drink good booze, and you also learn that like getting drunk and puking in your shoe on a Tuesday, you're not going to function on Wednesday. No, or Thursday, <laughs> <laughs> or Thursday. Yeah, no, it sticks with you a lot longer. I mean. You know, I think that as we've gotten older, we found we've all been able to sort of navigate and find what works for each of us. And, you know, we're so humbled by the fact that we still get to do this for a living that we're not going to jeopardize that. Uh, we're not going to let that that rock star ego get, in, get into our being and sort of live completely uh a lifestyle that's not conducive to being productive and uh, being relevant. What do you attribute the longevity of, of the band to? Because you guys have been through a lot, obviously, you know, when grunge kind of hit, I've talked to everybody from JJ French and D Snyder about what that transition was like for all of those amazing metal bands. And then you break up, you change lead singers, not once now, but twice what do you attribute the longevity of the band to? The love of the music, uh, realizing that we were really, really fortunate to have had the success that we had early on. Um, and then to be able to uh, navigate the road of the downward decline of sales and success. How do you do that? Well, a lot of that has to do with how you're raised and how you view your career up until that point. I always looked at it, and most of us did, that it was an absolute gift. Like, I, I was always humbled by it. I had, always have had a great amount of gratitude to the audience, big or small, um, to allow us to be able to play music for a living. So that love of music and the music that we created. I mean, we, we, 
as the original Skid Row stopped functioning as that band essentially in 1996, 97, um, Rachel Scotty and I were always the, the core of the band. And we realized in, in some point, in, I mean, we had been playing together in, in a side project, but the, the subject of Skid Row wasn't really approaching uh, any of our any of our consciousness until about 1999. And we kind of looked at each other and we went, man, I miss performing those songs. Um, but the situation with the original band had become untenable. So uh, we realized that we wanted to perform those songs again. Let's try to put something together. But let's attempt to put something together again and go out and play because that's what we do. We, we play we, and we created these songs. So we should be playing them. And uh, we did. And we went out on a kiss tour in 2000. Um, and we had a ton of up and ups and downs throughout the course of time, but we were able to continue going. And <clears throat> there was some, excuse me, there was some really rough times there. I, 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 it was, times where you really, really had to dig deep. And, but all of a sudden you get to the reality of, you know, you you might be suffering from, from some sort of uh, sadness and, and uh, due to where you may or may not be on that ladder of success. And all of a sudden you go, yeah, but I'm still out here playing music. And it, it really, it, that's as simple as it is to be, grateful for that moment that you get to experience every night. Now, as everybody has always said, it's the other 22 hours a day that are problemsome, but you figure that out. And as you grow older, hopefully you have a family and healthy and stuff like that. And that becomes, you know, all important. And so now you music isn't just a vehicle for yourself, but it's a vehicle for your family and your friends and, um, and we're, we're, we're creators. And so we create music. Um, we create music and, and we uh, hopefully thrive in that environment, regardless of the perceived success or unsuccess of whatever it is you're at that particular point in your career. So, so tell me this. Does it bother you after all these years that the fans still ask about when the original lineup is going to get together. Like, does it bother you or is it kind of a testament to that passion of the audience that they just love you so much? I think it's both. And it's, uh, it's not a case. Well, I understand. I get it. I, and I'm flattered by that, but our stance and, and, and our viewpoint on it has not changed for 23 years. It's just, you know, everybody in life has to do what makes them happy as long as it doesn't injure other people. And our music doesn't injure other people. (laughs) 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 And so while I I mean, look, for for me personally, it's it's, I'm sure I can speak for Scotty and Rachel. We're, We're so beyond that decades beyond that not only in the actual length of time, but in within ourselves. Uh, it's just, it's not going to happen. That's never changed uh, from any of us. And it's 
not one person's fault either. Rachel Bowen catches a lot of shit and unwarranted that he's the reason why this isn't happening. That's not true. It's a collective decision that we made, the three of us, as Skid Row, as the guys who started the band, that we always made a promise. We do this for as long as it makes us happy. When it doesn't make us happy anymore, then we stop doing it. It didn't make us happy. We stopped doing it. We figured out a way to make it work for us where it did make us happy. A lot of people will be like, oh, just go on stage for an hour and a half and blah, 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 blah. Mm -mm. That's not going to do it for me. Like, I just, I can't fake it. I can't go on a stage with someone that I don't talk to. You know, I, it doesn't, that's, that's a true money grab. We've never done that. I mean, look, none of us are allergic to money. That's for sure. <laughs> But, but the, the the truth of the matter is, is that I still, again, it's those other 22 hours of the day. And I still have to be, my mental state has to be in such a place that not only can I be a great member of the band, uh, a great friend, but a great dad and a great husband and uh, great to my family. And all that, everything it, it revolves around each other. You know, because we all have families, we all have this career and we have to maintain a certain uh, mental accountability to make sure all those things give people that are involved in it the greatest amount of joy that it can. I ask every band this question or every musician, and I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be. Is it harder to keep a band together or a marriage together? Well, I've had success and failures at both. So, uh, there, there's a lot of similarities in, in the two things. Uh, but what usurps everything is love and respect. And that's a two-way street. So Rachel Scotty and I, and Rob Hammersmith, a drummer who's been in the band 12 years, and now Eric, there's a love and respect that is, uh, it is completely palatable. You can feel it in the room with us, in the dressing room, on stage. It's all very real. That has to exist with your, with your home life, too, you know? I love my family. I love my wife. I love my family. I, uh, and as long as I'm able to to be the man that I know I'm capable of um, for my friends, for my family, then I'm, I'm the happiest guy in the room. I'm the happiest guy in the world. Like it doesn't, my happiness doesn't, isn't based on how many zeros or, you know, in, in on my bank account statement. That's never been the driving force. It's always been about waking up and, and look, and having a smile on your face. We all face really, really rough circumstances. Our singer, Eric, is a cancer survivor. Um, he didn't know if he was going to live, much less sing again. And now this kid's on stage killing it, tearing it up. And it is a, uh, it is a great uh, testament to a person's love and fortitude and uh, their character. Um, uh, and he exudes it with every note he sings. And I look at that and I'm inspired. Uh, it makes me a better person, a better guitar player, better songwriter, better performer. Uh, 
Uh, and it's so honest and truthful that it's completely infectious. It's undeniable. And so I, to be, we, we navigated our career in such a path that regardless of how uh, the ups and downs of, of what we experienced in this business, we were able to always maintain some level of happiness throughout it all. Uh, we found strength in a lot of areas where other bands might have found, you know, despair. I talked to a lot of guitar players, especially recently, about um, their method for, for writing. And when it comes to riffs, song composure, where, where are these ideas coming from for you? Is it just when you sit down to write a record? Are you always writing and kind of keeping little nuggets of ideas off to the side? And then when it comes to your tone, is it, right. is it something that, where do you think it comes from? I'll pose the question that way. Well, I mean, I think that my influences go all the way back to when I was a really, really young kid growing up in a house with four older brothers and a mother who absolutely loved music. We had all different types of music playing in my house. Uh, everything from Elvis and the Beach Boys to the Ventures to uh, Procol Harum, Black Sabbath, Traffic, Humble Pie, uh, in, into uh, Motown and and late 60s, early 70s soul music, uh, the Aretha Franklins of the world and the, and the Ray Charleses of the world. And, and still raised on stuff like uh, Little Richard and, and Buddy Holly and and then Black Sabbath in 1968 or whatever. My brothers used to run around scaring me with their album cover. And uh, and I'm still influenced today by by great music. I, I, there's there's people out there um, that are creating some great stuff. Uh, Lady Gaga, I'm such a huge fan of hers. Um, and on the, on the flip side of that, I'm a huge fan of Slayer. I thought the last record was fantastic. Um, so it's not... My influence is not specific to any genre. It's just whether music moves me or not. And I'm able to somehow process and interpolate that uh, coming in somehow to hopefully make it fit for Skid Row. And not everything's going to fit for Skid Row, but I'm thankful that a lot of stuff does. Um, I know you got to run, but I, I got to ask you this question. It's a songwriting question. So... From a songwriter's perspective, give me an example of what you think is perfect songwriting. A song you love so much that you covet it that you wish you wrote it, but I want you to break it down as to why. So it's not a favorite song question. It's an example of perfect songwriting question. Let it be. Um, and even then, and then seeing that documentary. Oh, so good. It made me just, and when he focused on that particular song and the different stages that it, that he went through in creating that and the environment that he was in while he was creating it, um, I, I, I was astounded by how prolific he was at any given moment. It just was, to me, was uh, astounding. And every part of that song is perfect. There cannot be a better lyric, a better chord progression, 
a better melody. It's just perfection. And to hear, like, see him at the piano coming up when that part goes bound, 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 bound. And then I, I believe it was Glenn Johns, who the producer was standing, standing next to me and he goes, keep going down with that. Bound, 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 bound. I'm like, what an amazing resolve. And it came like that. When I find myself in time, I'm going, ah, like, it's just that's what a great first lyric. When I find myself, when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. Let it be. It's I got just got chills. It's almost enough to make you want to quit because you're just like, well, it's all done then. You know, every every time I hear it, every time I hear it, I, I, I go, I, I feel guilty even calling myself a songwriter after I hear that song. <laughs> well, you have the new song out. The gang's all here. Is that the um, is that the title track? Is that the name of the record? Yeah. It's the name of the record. Uh, it features, uh, you know, our new singer, Eric, who has a story that's a, a, an amazing story. Uh, he's a cancer survivor. He had uh, he had bone marrow transplant. Uh, and our first show on March 26th out here with the Scorpions marked his one year anniversary on when he received this first treatment. So that in and of itself, that he went from getting his first treatment to being on stage with what he says is his favorite band is miraculous to say the least. Never mind that it all happened in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. And he had a newborn child. So he's looking mortality in the face. Like he doesn't even know if he's going to live much less sing. And, and he made a vow to himself, which I found, I understood it. Not that I've ever been remotely close to a position that he's been in. But he made a vow to himself. He finally, everything kind of broke down in his mind and he got really not simplistic, but to where it all made sense. And he was like, if I survive this, I'm dedicating my whole life to doing what I do, which is sing. Because, you know, as we go, as you go on and we have different successes or or whatnot, um, our viewpoints may change for whatever reason. Some people choose that to leave music. Uh, Henry Rollins is an example he chose to not make music anymore he chose to do what he uh author and and uh speaker and he's fantastic at it but he made a conscious decision to do that eric on the other hand through his adversity decided man i've been given a gift which he truly has because what he does is uh, i i watch him sing and perform and he's just he's a machine and he's he's got it like he's got it and it's something that uh, it, he shares with everybody that's around him and it's palpable. You feel it uh, and it makes you excited and it makes you want to push harder. And knowing that backstory makes me personally, and I think everybody want to push more and more and uh, get out our music to as many people as possible. And we're really excited by the reaction of, of this first track. It's been really, really great. A lot of amazing feedback. Um, And I judge that by the amount of haters that it's decreased. (laughs) When is the album slated to come out? Did you guys set a release date yet? 
October 14th, it looks like 14th or 15th, but we'll have a, uh, you know, uh, we'll come out with a, another track or two after uh, this one has run its course. And then, uh, you know, people will have a very good gauge of what, uh, what the uh, album will be. And you'll be here September 15th at the Lynn Memorial Auditorium. So we will see you there. Absolutely. Looking forward. You know, Boston, as uh, I, I know, I'm from New Jersey, New York area. So it's one of those things where uh, we have a love-hate relationship with, <laughs> with Boston. We love we we love Aerosmith and we love Boston and we love uh, uh, Jay Giles Ben, but we hate the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> the feeling is mutual, Dave. The feeling I, is mutual. I know. And that's what's great about it. You know, that's what's great about it. But um, I think we're going to be in town uh, when the day before, I believe, we get there, the Yankees are playing the Red Sox. Oh, you want somebody to go to the game with you? I am so there. <laughs> you just can't beat me up. <laughs> I can't make any promises, man. I can't yeah, make any promises. Yeah, I know. Promises. You're from Boston. Of course you can't make any promises. I'll buy you all a Fenway, got, Frank. All I can tell you is this. At the end of the day, I only have two words that give me great satisfaction, especially in this conversation. And those two words are Bill Buckner. <laughs> I was going to say Yankees suck. Those are the two words that I love the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I look forward to seeing you in September and good luck with all of the shows with Eric and uh, we'll just wait for the record. It's coming out in October. Thank you so much. You're a you're a champ, honey. I appreciate it so much. You got it. I'll see you later. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your support. It's really appreciated. Of course. And I hope to see you and talk to you soon. Yeah, I'll see you at the show for sure. We'll hook up before then. Thank you so much. You got it. I'll see you soon. All right, honey. Be well. There he is, Dave the Snake Sabo from Skid Row. The new album, The Gang's All Here, coming out in early October, but the single and the video are out right now. Skid Row are in Vegas, opening up for the Scorpions, but getting ready to hit the road on the Live to Rock tour with Warrant and Winger. The tour will be rolling through the Lynn Auditorium in Massachusetts on September 15th. And if you want to get tickets, you can click the link in the show notes of this podcast. If that's not a local show for you, There's links to find Skid Row, all their socials, and details on the tour in the show notes as well. And make sure you check out the corresponding playlist for this episode. Every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast gets a corresponding playlist that is filled with all the music that we talked about in the episode. And if you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit follow and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. The latest episode, episode 97, featuring Ben Johnston from Biffy Clyro, is available now. And if you subscribe, you also get the Sit Rep. The Situation Report is all your rock news, music headlines, and industry info every weekday in five minutes. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.